0: Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives.
1: We're your co hosts, Kylie and Eva. Hi, it's Kylie. And it's Eva. Welcome back to another episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> To like come up with new sound
1: effects every week, <laughs>
0: I am loving it. Yeah, that, that one was pretty good. I don't
1: know, it's yeah. spontaneous, yeah. you know. I, 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 my favorite part that the listeners didn't get was watching you like prep
0: for it, <laughs> like
1: you're like got all like amped up and there were yeah. hand
0: motions. Yep, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I knew something good was coming. That was just for you, <laughs> Kylie. That the, the hand motions were just for you, so
1: appreciate it. Yeah, I'm reveling it them. Yeah,
0: <sighs> so how are you, my friend? What's What's
1: going on in your world? Um, I am so good. And I want to talk about my program that I'm this is like the final week to sign up for. Yeah, let's uh, talk about it. Yeah. So it's called Beyond the Veil of the Akashic Records. And I'm so fucking excited. <laughs> about it. So my friend Jesse Rolko and I have been like putting like dreaming about this and like getting all the ducks in a row for like. Like months now, uh, and which is not my normal style like I have an idea and I like announce it to the world the next day. Um, And it's an Akashic records program that is intended to take you to like, to take you to a place where we're looking beyond the initial level of what we often do in the records right so a lot of times people talk about the Akash records as like google for the soul or the like you know it's like the this this universal library there's this big emphasis on how it's a place for information mm-hmm. which is accurate and also very like ego oriented right and anyone who spent time working with the records you quickly begin to get a sense of just like the enormity of the energy and the healing and just like what is capable with this space of really powerful like you know quantum healing and so um jesse and i have curated this program by pulling together instructors who all have different specialties different ways of working in the records different healing modalities that are channeled through to them and so each week you're going to get like a different slice of what's Mm -hmm. possible from this instructor and you'll have lots of space to practice and pair off with other students. So you can really get a chance of like hands hands in the earth kind of like, how does this really work? How do I get to apply it? So that we all can really understand like, what is my unique way of working mm-hmm. in the records? What is like, what is my soul really line up and light up with around this work? And like, what's possible mm-hmm. because it's actually working with the infinite. So yeah. the answer is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you get to see what's possible
0: through talking to these different teachers or different, because uh, everyone who's having a different experience is going, everyone's experience is different. And so you get to see what's possible through learning about everybody else's
1: unique experiences. And I think that's like really valuable and basically being taught different skill sets, Right. So like one week, we're going to look at like, how can you use the Akashic records, not just to find out about a past life, but to do a soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, do this deep past life healing. How can you use the Akashic records to commune with animals? How can you use the Akashic records to like, um, there's a woman who's coming to part of the program who literally can cut like tap in and be like, Oh, for 212 lifetimes, you've been a thief.
2: And
1: we're going to clear the collective karma of 212 lifetimes of being a thief. Right. Like there's like this, these wild, really powerful, beautiful things that can be done. And uh, so you're also like, you're getting a new, you're getting a toolbox really of like learning how to apply these skills and as you learn all these other ways of working in the records, you will also learn, like it will become clearer. Something brand new might reveal itself just for you from the space of learning these other things. It's like like fusion cooking. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah, but I think this makes so much sense as as like, it's so genius as a structure for holding a course because like meditation, like the Akashic records is this huge thing. Like there's just no, there's no one right way and to use it, or there's not, and there's no one thing that you do with it. So it's like, it makes sense that you gather people from with different expertise to come together to create a more full picture. Because I think there's really something really beautiful about learning, like from a specific teacher as well. Um, But this is like, and that's a different experience. Whereas this is just like being, and also like cult, cult, creating that community
1: too. I think through yeah. pulling
0: all these people together, I think is, sounds really awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. Even like the prep calls, like we've been like, you know, had these guest mentor calls so people could ask us questions and like really make sure that it was the right fit for them to sign up. And like, even those, like I kind of had tears in my eyes because like, you know, the, the, just the way other people were speaking about the work and like their journey and what they experience in their records which is the same and also totally different than what I experienced and I just yeah. was like oh my god I can't wait till this conversation is part of something that like you know is a, is like a it's a wire is wire you know yeah. and yeah and so, I think
0: anyone I who's work. interested in the in Akashic Records is gonna like get something out of this
1: yeah it's just feels like the most fun thing in the world so yeah. you should all sign up <laughs> well, for also it. because yeah you love the Akashic <laughs> Records so much and so Thank I you. think yeah that totally makes sense
0: wait so did you change the name the name of your program because wasn't it something about like uh originally it was like it had
1: like a it had a preface it had a preface and then like colon beyond the veil of the akashic records and then we realized the course the preface was like just the the draft got it got it okay (laughs) like it was it was it was like when you're like warming up to figure out what it really is got it got it cool so how can people sign up so you you can come to my website kyliecaldwell.com and click on courses and you can register right there and if you have any questions about the program please don't hesitate to reach out to me um and i'm be super happy to answer your questions but you know as with any of these things if it if you if you work with the records and you are curious to know if you work with the records professionally in any capacity i really think of this as like continuing education like you know when you're an instructor when you're a teacher mm-hmm. and they're like great for your continuing education credits like is what this is how i envision this program is like for your continuing education come and be part of this community Mm -hmm. and learn new skills and if you're someone who works in the records like personally right it's like just your own personal practice it's just like a super vibrant community where you're going to really like learn a lot of there's going to be a a depth of uh, that reveals itself for you i think in your own in your own practice so yeah come and join us yay (laughs) I love it. Cool. Yeah. Um, how about you, Eva? What's new? What's shaking in your in your business, in your world? So let's see. There's nothing new. If you are interested in working with me, there are
0: two ways to currently do that. Um, if you don't already know, I have two sort of ongoing programs. Um, the first one is Quietude, and that's my four-week meditation program where people, there's a one-hour module that goes with it. And then we, we go pretty in-depth into like what your practice can look like. And then my favorite part, of course, is the one-on-one support that you get through Voxer for a month following. So it's like when you actually are trying to meditate or when you actually are meditating and you're getting insight or you have questions or you're confused about something and you, you want to share that with a community, me being your community, you can reach out to me anytime via Voxer and have these honestly, it's like these kinds of conversations, the kind of conversations, like what I'm really enjoying doing with clients is getting to talk about spirituality and people's like own, um, what they're experiencing through meditation in a kind of deep way that I think a lot of people are looking for, at Mm -hmm. least when they sign up for this program, I think that feels like medicine to them. Cause they're just like, I'm into this stuff, but like, I don't really have anyone to talk about it with. And like, I listen to your podcast or I know that you, you, you know, you love talking about this stuff and it just feels so nurturing, I think for people um, to be able to have yeah. that back and forth conversation, which, you know, Kylie, cause I
1: that's s- like basically why we started this podcast to begin with. <laughs> it's true, Very true. <laughs> I still, I was walking up a hill the other day and I had this like visceral memory of like walking up that same hill, Voxer and you about my own meditation <laughs> when I was uh, like, you know, years ago, but I, it sounds to me like in this program, people get accountability and like a, like an accountability body to actually do the thing that they want to do. Yeah. And like some space to explore what's coming up because when you actually sit down and commit to your practice, like things will surface, Mm -hmm. all of the flavors and like, I remember part of that walk was me being like, Eva, it turns out I'm fucking pissed. (laughs) Like now that I'm calming, like now that I'm sitting still and like, so if you sit with your meditation practice, I feel like if you don't have a place to go to unpack it, it can be easier to abandon it because yeah. it's like you can oh. tap into stuff that feels overwhelming. And mm-hmm. so you just come up with excuses. So this just yeah. feels like such a beautiful way for people to, to do the thing already. Yeah. You know? yeah. And, I appreciate
0: you saying that because I think this is what I love doing with people most is integration. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. what I think is honestly the service that you and I both provide for people it's like you can easily take a course and that can be valuable on its uh, on its own but you have to learn how to apply it into your everyday life and make sense of it and process it and be like yeah. and, and 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 embody certain things so like
1: that's, I think, really what the value of the whole, you know, the Foxer relationship is. It also occurs to me that, like, they say, like, 30 days to build a habit. Like, if you're mm-hmm. someone who wants a meditation, like, who, like, sporadically meditates and wants a meditation habit, this mm-hmm. just feels like a really great way of, like, getting <laughs> through that 30 days so that yeah. it goes from the, like, oh, once a week when I get time to, like, oh, this is a thing that I really do. And it's part of my life. Yeah,
0: now. totally. And I think that's what I hear for, Sorry, for a lot from my clients is like, oh, I actually like meditating now or just this idea of like, um, uh, it's fun. It becomes so much more fun when you're mm-hmm. not doing it alone. Unlocked. So like yeah. anything, like hosting yeah. a
1: podcast. Yeah. I exactly. could never do this without you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So there would be one episode and it would be unedited yeah. on my computer.
0: <laughs> For you it'd be unedited. For me, I don't know. I think I would just like overthink it and then it would just never get out because I'd be like, is this
1: making sense?
0: But right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's my quietude program. And you can find out more information about that on my website at evilyout.com. And as always, um, my favorite way to work with people is my one-on-one consciousness expansion, uh, mentorship program where we explore all things, spirituality, it kind of like tied into also personal development, which is like questioning, limiting beliefs, changing your mindset, actually learning to drop the mind beyond that living in the present moment, all of this stuff. So like, if you are drawn to spirituality, but also just me and the work that we talk about on this podcast, and you want to take your spiritual development, I think to the next level, um, that's actually like what I love doing with people most. So, you can also mm. I mean, apply that's for really a gift that you have. So, oh, thank you, Kylie. Yeah, you can apply for a free consultation um, at my website, and that's at Woohoo. Yay! Oh. Okay.
1: All
0: right, so... let's introduce Kendra because this conversation was so nourishing. It really was. It just I felt like
1: so, just like, soothed the moment she started talking. It was like. Mm. You will know, talk about like forest bathing, like I felt like listening to her was just like so much wisdom and grace. Oh, that's such um, a
0: good comparison. I love it. Yeah. I almost felt like, oh, you can tell this is a person who spends time in nature.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. And like, like, it's just like walks the walk. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. she is someone who's like clearly lived a deeply spiritual life for a long time, but also like really, I mean, she tells this whole story at the end about like, making some radical life changes to, Mm -hmm. to make sure that she's living in alignment with her values, which is like,
0: yeah, which I really, really inspiring because I think what she was talking about was like, so this just for context, dear listeners, this is part of our nature series in which we're talking to people who are, you know, really connected with Gaia do work with like earthbound practices and, um, Kendra, yeah. Like she talked about like really wanting to simplify her life for her and her family. And I, that's, I, I, that just resonated with me so much because I, I know that's something that I'm, that I I'm going to want and I'm going to want to cultivate throughout the years as I get older, I think. Mm-hmm. And so um hearing her story about like how she's done. That is really inspirational. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah um let me read her official bio for us so kendra ward is an actually I should also say this is part of what's fascinating about her too is that she has like i always love people who have (laughs) just a million skills and like knowledge systems that they're working from so kendra ward is an acupuncturist writer and teacher whose work uniquely fuses feminine and earth honoring sensibilities with the ancient system of traditional chinese medicine in a radical reclamation of what it means to be a human on this planet Yeah. Yeah.
0: And just to give that more context, I feel like in this episode, it really is, it really um, connects to, okay. So she talks about like how to be a human on this planet. It's like how to live in connection with nature so much so that she has a course on it. That actually sounds really interesting to me that I'm like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Cause I'm like, I, this is something that, you know, she, we talk about this a little bit too. It's like, we're not taught how to do this. And so it's a mm-hmm. skill that you kind of, if you like, if you're like me and you grew up in LA in a suburb somewhere, like you have no concept of like how to be in relation with nature, how to mm-hmm. respect nature, like what the etiquette is in nature. And mm-hmm. so, um, we kind of dive into that in this episode and I think it's, um, just really important, but with the topics that we're talking about, I feel like are really important.
1: Yeah. yeah. And accessible. That's another thing I loved about Kendra's approach is that she's really oriented around like making this work accessible. So I know you will all enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome to the show, Kendra. We're so happy to have you.
2: Thanks, Kylie. So glad to be with you.
1: Yeah. Okay. So as you know, we jump right into the deep end with our first question, which is um, what is spirituality for you and how does it show up in your everyday life?
2: Yeah, that is such a, a monster of a question. Uh, <laughs> um, I feel like that question, my answer's probably really changed over time. It might have been something that used to be a little bit more linear or dogmatic. Um, it feels like in the past, maybe you know, a little more fixation on something that's based in a sense of transcendence or moving towards the light or but I really feel like my my sense of spirituality moves me deeper down downwards into the earth and into the soil of ourselves and just really enhancing a sense of intimacy with the sense of rhythms and seasons and spiraling our the spiraling nature of time and just really trusting in change and transformation knowing when to hold tight and when to let go so i feel like really in a nutshell it's this remembering this remembering to keep on falling in love with life um i didn't feel so much that way you know earlier on in my life i think i was really not so happy about being on the planet and um I started meditating when I was 18 as a way to try and get off of a lot of the antidepressant medications I was on. And um, that really it wasn't like this, you know meditation wasn't this magical thing, but it really opened to this gateway into inner knowing and inner trust and um, having less of an agenda about everything, kind of mm. loosening up my sense of expectation in the world. And I had this really serendipitous, crazy experience where I, I was on this pre-med track, and I it was very kind of, um, kind of rigid expectations. And I had this—I don't even know where the invitation came from. I had this day when I was twenty where I. Um, found this application to the School of International Trainings Tibetan Studies program. And I think because I was interested in meditation, I, it was like, it was like, bam, you know, I have to do that. And I had, I think I had like 24 hours to complete the application and get everything set. And I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. It was just like heart motivated um, action. And, And I say that that was Definitely one of the most transformational experiences of my life. And I took my Buddhist refuge vows when I was 20 in Kathmandu and then retook them when I was 35 um, after being part of a, a Buddhist community for many years. And then, ironically, after that, after that second time around, I sort of, um, things sort of loosened and I found that my spiritual practice. Um, really started to become more informed from this earth centric viewpoint. And I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I still feel like Buddhism really deeply informs my worldview, but my sense of spirituality has really shifted. And on a daily basis, it really still shows up as a regular meditation practice and breath work and energy hygiene. But now it feels very much based in an etiquette of respect and offerings, and an ongoing apprenticeship with the grandmother oak on the on the land close by, and feeding the earth regularly, feeding the lake, and um, really just engaging in a in a different viewpoint entirely. So, oh yeah, God, stop I have there. So
1: many questions, and also <laughs> just. Uh, just the sense of like calm listening to you talk. I'm like, oh, I just can feel your own heart and everything you're saying. And it's yeah, just, it's and very... calmness is a soothingness to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I have lots of questions about feeding the lake and learning from a grandmother Oak. But before we mm-hmm. ask about, before we get there, because that sounds so incredible, but I'm curious to know what um, what the transition was or what began, because I imagine it was, or even perhaps it was somewhat gradual, but from you know a, a, a Buddhist practice that was potentially kind of rigorous to something that sounds fluid and earth-based, um, what what prompted that shift for you?
2: Mm, yeah, such a good question. I don't think that it was anything in particular mm-hmm. other than um, maybe the sense of urgency that I, I think, many people are feeling. um, This awakening to the fact that we um, live in this really disconnected way and Mm -hmm. um, this longing, you know, if you don't grow up in a family or a situation where you have rituals or stories or ongoing practices that connect you to your to your elders and kind of that ancestral lineage and I mean, we were really severed from the land and i think that you know in this sense of awakening to the the deep that that longing you know to feel more integrated and belonging to the earth and to to work with just the our cultural indoctrination that's so deep in terms of our sense of separateness. Um, so I think more than more than anything, that's really at the crux of that. That's at the heart of everything for me, in a way, um, is trying to do my own inner work around that, but also supporting other people in in that longing because it really is more of a remembering than anything, and it's hard when you. Um, when you don't have the scaffolding of the culture around you to support you in that, um, we really doubt ourselves. It's really awkward, you know, when we're trying to um, connect in new ways that we didn't get any support or, you know, teachings in at all. So, Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the scaffolding
0: a little bit? Because I know one of the reasons I'm so excited to speak to you, and we also have some other guests coming on to talk talk specifically about earth themed topics is that I feel a deep, deep longing to be connected to the earth. Just that's part of the reason I want to move to Portland because I'm in the desert now. I love the desert. It's its its own kind of magic, but Portland is also, I mean, there was grass there. There was so much grass. I was so excited (laughs) about grass, (laughs) but just, I want to, I have a crazy sensation to want to just dig my hands into earth. It's something I feel on the regular. I don't even know where it's yeah. coming from. It's just like, I just want to have soil under my fingernails and smell the dirt. And um, to be honest, I think I'm just organically, I can see myself organically just going down that path because it's something that speaks to me. And I I don't, I think I can just see it kind of naturally happening, but
1: it you sounds like this with six, seven plants behind you, yeah. right? Like it's <laughs> already, it's a process that's
0: already begun. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, like it's, it's the difference between like having house plants and like foraging. Do you know what I mean? Or like uh-huh. using plants that you grow in your own garden for medicine. Like I, I yes. want to go there. So I guess I'm curious for you, what was that scaffolding like, whether it was mental or even just physically, like what changed in your physical reality that created this transition into living an earthbound life?
2: So do you mean scaffold, like what has supported me in doing that? Is that what you mean by scaffolding Mm -hmm. in particular or? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, or like what changed, you know, you said there
0: was a longing. So like kind of what was your life before and how does it look different now?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Well, first of all, it's really funny because I, um, I lived in Portland for almost 20 years. And so I just moved this last year from, from the Pacific Northwest to Vermont. And, um, I, I have to say, and then, so I went to acupuncture school in the Boston area. So, um, when I was in acupuncture school, I, I, I just really had this longing to go to the Pacific Northwest, totally irrational. I'd never been there. I just had this, like, I literally felt like the land there was calling me. And I spent this like two decade love affair with the Pacific Mm. Northwest. Like it just was so wonderful. I mean, at the land there, it, it just is. An amazing place um so i think that really it was the land there specifically the trees um i mean i had a family of sequoias that i lived with um that really influenced my life dramatically and you know so so to your question i mean i don't think that there was anything in particular um, i think it's just a a, a repetition like a longing to continue to engage in practices Mm. that open us up in that way. And that allow us to, um, diversify, diversify our sense of relational, relational intimacy with everything around us. So, you know, it's just as simple as, um, well, like for example, springtime in Vermont is not about the flowers, (laughs) you know, so Mm. it's about the birds, you know. The, the flower—it's not about flowers blooming; it's about the birds blooming, in a way, um, because it takes so long for the flowers to bloom here. But the birds come—they come—and that is spring. And um, you know, I think that it's about when when you're with another living being, you know, that you're entering their their world instead of just always seeing through your lens. It's like you're entering their culture, their intelligence and their language and their way of being in the world. And, you know, it's just um, continuing to shift that focus. And so I really feel like it, a lot of it relates to the etiquette, you know, the etiquette of respect and relationship. Um, and, you know, sh- kind of trying to shift from expecting everything. It's just like, you know, going to a different country and we are constantly expecting everybody to speak our language, you know? And so it is a language of friendship instead, you know, it's mm-hmm. a language of, um, it's speaking from the heart and remembering that like our hearts are that heart brain, like that, that our hearts are really like that center of everything, that the great pulse of you know electromagnetic activity it's like everything's emanating from there and so when we open this gateway of our hearts like that's how the communication happens it's not a verbal language that's not that's just not how it works so Mm -hmm. you know and think sometimes it's it's uh, an aspect that really trips people up because it's like how how do I how do I relate like if we can't like trees can't talk to me or the birds can't you know but I think that um just approaching from this I actually view it as like a gateway so actually view mm. the heart center like this this gate that opens so you know just like you would try and relate to a friend that doesn't speak your language you know how do we do it well there's like lots of ways you know we we meet their body language and we um you know we smile and <laughs> we gesture and we like we do all sorts of funny things mm. um and so I think that it's actually not as complicated as we make it out to be. Mm. I hope that that answers your question.
0: Well, you know, what's so funny is, so I know that you talk about rewilding in your work, which I also want to learn more about, but when you were talking about feeding the river and I think, what was the other thing that you said something about the trees? I was imagining this like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like what you actually said is is good because I think it's accessible to all. And that's something that you can do even in New York City, it, walking in Central Park. You know, yes. but I was imagining this like very woo-woo ritualistic, like I'm out there in the fields, like doing all these like, I don't know, spiritual and earthbound nature things. And maybe it's some of that, um, but also maybe it's as simple as just relating to your environment from a heart place.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I really, um, I think it can be very accessible because, you know, this is one of, this is actually one of the the challenges that we get into is this sense of needing to go out into nature. And, you know, it's really, you um, it's a problem because many people don't, you know, for a variety of reasons, first of all, can't even get out into less human impacted spaces, you know? And so um, I really think that it's important that it's it feels accessible um, mm-hmm. in the ways that we're talking about it and thinking about it. Um, and, you know, there, there definitely is probably a little bit of that like woo happening, but I think that it's really important to keep, you um, it more simple actually. So yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I'm just thinking about how when I lived in um, Somerville, which is a city
1: um, just outside Boston, how like I felt so I paid so much attention to the sparrows, right? Like there were there wasn't a ton of nature, but like I feel like I really was clued into all the little sparrows in my neighborhood, you know. Um, but the other thing that I'm thinking of as you're talking is is the guest we had last week, Elsa Janie, who's also part of this nature series. She also shared this idea of like being in relationship with nature and it occurs to me how much we just think about what we are getting from nature, (laughs) you know or perhaps we think about fixing our own mess but there's something really different about what you're saying that's reminding me of, of what Elsa shared which is like how can we be in relation in this like heart to heart friendship oriented relationship with the earth around us. And that feels really meaningful, and also very accessible because we know how to be friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We know actually how to be in heart relationship, Um, and so what happens when you extend that to the tree in your front yard?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Breaking it down and just making it more simple, and um, you know, I think that this human nature split is. This way of thinking is what really gets us into trouble. But when we um, when we move from there and move from this the kind of the dominators training that we have, you know, even the way that in in environmentalism, you know, the way we talk about like being nature's guardians or mm. earth protectors or um, earth's keepers in a way. I mean, we're we're kind of you know, a lot of the language behind the Anthropocene is based in this idea that still puts us separate from the living mm. world and, and still puts us in charge of something. It still puts us in this godlike position. And I think it's important to um, be my, you know, to kind of try and catch when we do that um, because it, it, that way of thinking still separates us. Like it still cuts us off in a way. Yeah. Right. It's,
1: it's, still part of the problem just it's like the way the ego like is just sneaky and it just comes in (laughs) wearing a like fake mustache like how about now (laughs)
0: that's right yeah and just how disconnected. i'm actually thinking of uh, an argument that i got i got an argument with adam a couple weeks ago because he had this like diet coke that he had in his car and he got out of his car and dumped out the remnants of ice and like half of a watered down diet Coke onto a plant that was just outside of his driveway. And I was so, it was a stupid fight, but I was so appalled because I realized that my first percep- I, you know, I talk to inanimate objects and, he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't mind that I do, but he, you know, he doesn't. And it was just this. I just got, anyway, it was a really silly argument, but to me, it was just a sense of like, that just seemed very disrespectful. I don't know if actually it was actually harmful to the plant. And again, this plant was just really more just like a weed that was growing out of the crack. But but still, it was a sense of like, that just seems rude. (laughs) I don't know. And it's like, it just... I guess it's, I'm just trying to compare different people's experiences because if you don't feel connected to life or nature in that way, you don't, you're not going to think about it. And I know that Adam, as wonderful as a person as he is, he's not going around thinking about the weeds growing out of his like driveway. So, but I feel like I'm a little bit more aware of these things. I'm looking at the plant and thinking about it as like a lived thing. And so therefore, I took it like very, personally. So it was funny, but also I think kind of a really interesting moment for me of just noticing that people just have different perceptions of what they're seeing and how they're connected to life around them.
2: Yeah. When we open up that different viewpoint, we care more, you know, so, so when we see it as animate and living and engaging, we're more likely to just care in general, you know, and I think that that really is that like that like key opening point, you know, if it's something that's living that we have to, we're held to a higher standard in how we're acting, you know, and that's where this, um, you know, that's where it it really, like, we, we need to kind of key into the behavioral part. Um, yeah, I lost my train of thought with that one, but,
0: but do you feel like there is, um, what's what I'm looking for? can you go overboard? Because I think oftentimes you're going to get this argument of like, that's just some liberal bullshit. Like, uh, you know, like you, and I I don't, I don't, sometimes I don't even know where I fall because I do think that there's sometimes this idea, well, this is a colonial idea, but this idea of like, you're too sensitive and you're Uh like making a big deal out of these little things that ultimately don't matter. And ultimately I don't really feel that way, but I can also, I can understand the argument. Do you know what I mean? Where it's this idea of like, You're so. This is like this is this is a problem that I have with liberals. I will say is that we're like we can be so sensitive, or we can be um, so PC, or so trying to be careful that then it it's like it just everything becomes really
2: serious. So like where's the line? Yeah, no, that's such a good question. I mean, I I personally feel like it's it's back to that whole like etiquette ethics thing. Um, so I just don't think that it's fringe to care about other things. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. it's fringe to be compassionate towards other living things. Um, and I just don't think it's that weirder out there. And, um, you know, I think that sure, you could make that argument, um, like that it could be taken too far. I mean, that's really the argument that's taken in terms of a lot of the rights of nature issues, you know, does a river have a right of its own, you know, um, these sorts of things. But, and that's maybe for just the individual person to figure out. I mean, I guess to me, it feels like an animus viewpoint is, you know, really, it's not, there's no even a language for it in so many cultures around the world. It's just the way you live, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's just, it's not a weird thing. It's just, you know, it's this sense that everything is living, you know, and, and that's just, not so strange so
1: yeah mm, I love that can I ask a question that's a little bit on a go reverting to something you said earlier um <clears throat> as as the wooer member of the <laughs> co <co-host, laughs> I work with the acoustic records and so you know as the kind of even I joke that like she's the meditator and I'm the mystic I actually do really want to hear a little bit about some of these like you know the way you spoke about called your tree like the grandmother oak and I just I just felt that in my heart and I have a tree in my front yard that I've shared on the podcast before that I you know have, we've got a little we've got a little blossoming relationship and I just would actually really love to hear um, my sense the people in my world that I know that have this really deep intimacy with really with, with nature are experiencing wisdom, like are receiving wisdom and experiencing truth in like a, in a really different way, I think than those of us who are just walking by, you know, maybe saying, oh, what a pretty tree. So I'm actually just a little bit curious if you could speak a little bit about kind of feeding the river and kind of commuting with this family of sequoias and, and what that looks like for you in, a, in maybe the less accessible quote unquote way.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah, because I don't
2: even really know what you mean by feeding the river. I'm really curious mm. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think with plants in particular, um, I could talk about the the waters later, but um, with plants in particular, I mean, I feel like I've been doing a lot of um, healing work in my own right around that. I was trained in traditional Chinese medicine and herbology. And, you know, it, my training was very sort of mechanistic and mm-hmm. all about memorization and, you know, really, just about like very thick books that you know are based in all these like categories and um, I feel like in terms of decolonizing our sense of the way that we think about plants you know I just I never I never got to be with those plants in their world you know the the environment's the the sunlight the moonlight all the elements and the things the environment where they grow and live and their ancestral history and just everything that makes up the, you know their life as you know medicine beings I mean all there's just really everything around us has the potential to be medicine in a way so I really feel like I've been trying to heal my relationship with plants because so much of my early training was mm-hmm. based in this like really protocolized um, you know, dried herbs oftentimes, like not even fresh herbs. Um, and I, and, you know, it was still customized. It was still really individualized herbal medicine, but I really wish that I hadn't learned that way. Um, Mm. and you know, so what that means in my life now is just really trying to allow myself to be taught by the plants themselves, you know, um, for example, when I moved to Vermont last summer, I was really overwhelmed by <clears throat> the meadow medicine. I hadn't really been around a lot of meadows recently, maybe when I was younger, but the meadows here are like powerful, like these beautiful meadows, it's this goldenrod. And the goldenrod is just, its presence was really overwhelming. You know, it's just when you look at goldenrod and you look at the little individual yellow starbursts that it's like made up of little, it's this plant that's made up of all these little bursts of like, beauty. I want to Google goldenrod right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the funny I think I is, have
0: an idea of what it is, but I'm not exactly sure.
2: Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's so upright. It's like, it has this very upright, young, like very, um, very warming sort of energy. And it it's really, I feel like it has a lot to say about our sense of will and um, sort of inner trust and confidence. And, Mm. um, but anyway, this plant, I really just was like, I I kind of, you know, was like, whatever, like you're beautiful, but I just wasn't really paying attention. And then at some point I'm just like, I really, I was, it was like, okay, I really need to give my attention to this plant who is like clearly um, just really kind of making it's the best way I could guess I could describe it. it, You know, it's just really, You know, in my field, like it would just wanted to be interacted with. Um, Mm. So, really trying to just apprentice myself to plants. You know, when they, when you feel a connection, you know, to just let yourself be moved by that, you know, and to listen, you know, to what wants to arise. So now, in working with plants for medicine, I feel like. Can I actually?
1: Ask a question about the golden rods. Yeah, yeah. Keep on that story. So, so you have this moment of like, kind of this persistent plant energy, right? And you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. fine, fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll listen. Yeah. What happens next, right? So you're kind of move and you turn your attention to this to this plant and to its energy. Yeah. What 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 unfolds from there? And Mm -hmm. and I, I guess also, how do you experience that? How does it? Is it like a physical knowing? Is it like? Yeah, I'm just curious about that.
2: Yeah. Well, it might be, you know, different for everyone. I think for, you know, for me, it's very much about what I was mentioning earlier about opening the heart space mm-hmm. and just um, really trying to get out of our over intellectualization of what's happening mm-hmm. and the ways in which we just don't trust ourselves, you know, so um, for me, it didn't, I, again, I didn't really have much of an agenda about what was happening. I, I, um, I just started paying closer attention to the plant in a way, because it felt like it just had, it wanted to share its energy with me more than anything. And ironically, Mm -hmm. you know, it related to, you know, the, the book that I finished and, you know, that I devoted a number of years to kind of thinking about and still thinking about um, is very much along kind of these themes of confidence and will and um, self-trust and so it's not a big, you know, surprise mm-hmm. that that's the energy that sort of arose, but, you know, I think it, it really just, it, you know, I don't know what the plant, I can't speak to what the plant wanted. I do think it's important to ask plants directly instead of mm. trying to figure it out in some way or do, taking this really roundabout approach. I think it's a good idea to ask our kin in this living world directly, you know, and to not be afraid to, Mm. to, to ask and see what arises from that. But really, I just started paying more attention. Like, that's when I really noticed, like, on a, on that deeper level, like, the energy and what the, what the plant really looked like, you know, mm-hmm. but because we are we like walking by and we're like, Oh, it's so pretty. And there's so much of it. And it's very yellow. Mm-hmm. And then like, <laughs> but then, you know, at some point you're like, wow, when I really pay attention, this whole nother level opens up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I did end up making a flower essence out of golden rod last summer. Um, but that was sort of, you know, a little further into the process. And, you know, maybe medicine wants to come out of it, or maybe it doesn't. Um, And so, and it's been really fun to notice, you know, when you move to a new ecosystem, it's like a whole learning, you know, and so I, it's been really fun to notice the goldenrod in the winter, you know, Mm. and it's like, it's this amazing plant, like it, it, the way that it looks in the winter, and it's still there, like it's dried up, and it's, it's husk like, and it, but it gets all kind of, you know, if it's not covered in snow and you can still see it gets kind of, you know, has the kind of fluffy, like it still has this vibrancy, even when it's dried out. Mm. Um, I don't know. So it just is, I think it's, it enriches our lives, you know, to, to live with this sense of deeper connection. Um, yeah. So with, with the grandmother oak, um, you know, that's just also another example of, of apprenticing myself in a way to. Um, be available. And I feel like, so there are these very old oaks um, on the land close by to where I live. And I feel like it's our human centric um, view to even label with gender. But, you know, it's because oak trees are so giving of life, you know, with all the acorns, and they're just like such a kind of like a keystone, like, you know, that the, the way that they feed everything around them so deeply, I think that's where the that the, the term grandmother came from. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a few of these, there's a number of them, you know, these trees, like, so Vermont has this um, long history, you know, where so many trees were cut down for agriculture. And so they're really special because they were left, you know, and they're, they're really old. Um, so, you know, I think part of the process is slowing ourselves down to a place where we're entering the consciousness, you know, we're, we're, ent- we're slowing ourselves down to a place where we're, we're meeting them in their time. Um, and in their energy. And so almost more than anything, that has been the lesson um, that I come to over and over again, because I show up, and I'm all speedy. And I'm like, all over the place, because no matter what, as a human being, we are, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it's like, no matter how much we try and not be that way, when you enter, when you sit with, you know, a stone elder, or like, whatever it is, you know, that, that you're, suddenly very aware of how busy you are and how impatient you are and, and like, it just how you're moving at a totally different speed. And so, you know, more than anything, it's this, it's this like showing up. And then so often the message is about shifting my energy, you know, and, um, and how that relates to, you know, my nervous system and everything else. Yeah. So.
0: So I could say I deeply related to a lot of what you're saying because I think that Kylie, and also this goes back to your question, Kylie, about like what do we do when we are in the presence of, you know, plant life. And I think part of it is just like to be present. which is also what I'm hearing you say. It's just, it's just presence. And something doesn't, for me, like something doesn't always have to come. I'm not like in a graspy place. And so that's why, you know, it doesn't really matter if something comes or not, but I do know that every time, um, you know, there, and there's, you, this could be either quote unquote woo woo, or you can even just take, take the science behind it. Cause there's like all this study, right. About how like being in nature by all the changes, our chemistry and like calms us down and calms down our nervous system. But I, when I was living in Taiwan, every time I walked into the jungle, it was just like immediate calm. It was like, and I knew that was nature having an effect on me. Like that's, I, I almost feel like that's a, that's not even a Woo woo thing! It's almost it's so tangible and it's so palpable that it's undeniable, and that's why people like love getting into nature because I think we go in there and then we are part of nature. And when we're in the city or we're we're in our like phones and on our computer, we're disconnected from that. And then like coming back to trees or cactus or plants or whatever grass, it's like it's coming back to a part of ourselves. That's how I kind of feel about it. That then is like, it just feels like medicine like I just I feel like like nature for me is medicine
1: (laughs) I mean I see it even I mean my kids are such beautiful studies of (laughs) like they just boil down the essence of like everything and like the other day my daughter she has a little cold and she was just like and she's like has a beautiful capacity for anger when she's angry and she was just like in a bad mood and she was just like sad and crying and like kind of you know no amount of holding and you know distraction was going to do anything for her and then I walked outside and it was like light switch like she was just like totally instantly fine and we walked around and we looked at all the flowers in the yard and we stopped at my tree and then we went inside by my tree I just mean this one tree that I Like to talk to a lot, and we came inside, and then the second we were inside, she started crying. (laughs) But it was just like, but I say the same thing with my son who struggles sometimes with being hyperactive. It's like, the second we can get him outside, it's just like he's he just like there's like a like a there's like a settled energy that comes over him even as he's like scaling the rocks and like flipping around and. um and just, I just watched this instant transformation in both of them. And I'm like, well, it's clearly also good for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, so I guess what I was kind of taking away from what both of you were saying is that like for me, like this idea of like, well, what is happening when we're in nature? And I think it's like, I'm hearing you both say it's, it just makes us feel a certain way. Like, it's just a lot of it is I think about how it makes us feel. Mm.
2: And, and, I, and I wonder how much of that is just literally in ourselves. You know, like how much of it is in like what, you know, how we used to live potentially at one time and, and the memory of that within us. You know, it, it um, I have played around with, I, I realized how much I, I collect things from nature. Um, and so I've been trying to be more aware around the consent of that, like what do I really need to take home with me constantly? Like my kids will collect like feathers for me, like literally anything that they think they think I'll love, you know. Um and and I I had this realization at some point, like I literally am trying to take the the outside world into my home <laughs> and like <laughs> turn it into, you know, it's like there's only so many like feathers and rocks and um <laughs> you, you know I think that it's just an interesting that the ways in which we're drawn to doing that, like why there's just this like inherent, um, like wanting it to, wanting to bring it closer to us. I also do think that there's a lot of training um, in this kind of extractivist way of interacting with the world, this sort of like taking, like taking for our own without really being even aware sometimes of that behavior. Um, That's maybe, you know, a whole other topic, but, yeah, no, I, I, there is something really like beyond our thinking selves. There's something much deeper happening Mm -hmm. with all of that.
1: Yeah. I, and I I do also love this point that you make about like the taking of things, right? Just the casual notion that like the rocks on the beach and and the shells are there for me to take and put on my altar or like, you know, decorate or whatever is totally this idea of like, well, I own all of this. It's for me. As opposed to like it's like we're just we just get to be the guests and yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know, Kendra, if you have this experience, but so I took an herbalism class and an herbology class in, in Brooklyn, New York, and it was like my fate. I only there were three series and I only got to take one before I, I moved, but it was like my favorite thing. It was the first time I interacted interacted with like what I call plant people who are people who are talking to plants and making tinctures and the flower essences. And I was taught that before picking a flower for a flower essence or something you should ask the plant and I'm curious if that's um a process or I guess what your process is with foraging and using plants to create flower essences and whatnot
2: yeah yeah you know so um it might be called like honorable harvest potentially you know there's a lot of different um ways to talk about it but really it's just assessing the situation before we, before we just barge right in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's a lot of what we're doing all the time is we're just, yeah, we're sort of just like entering the space without even realizing that we're doing it. Um, and just sort of barging right in before putting out a call first and waiting for response back. Um, so no, definitely. I mean, I think that just kind of taking like taking that moment to get the lay of the situation. For example, you know maybe when you're working with um, collecting a certain plant for medicine, you know that you just check in with like how much of it is of it is there. You know, mm-hmm. is it, um, does it look sick or does it look well? You know, is is, is, is how much will I take? How much do I really need, you know, and like really assessing these sorts of questions before then asking the plant directly, like, is, is it okay if I use you for medicine and it will be for this purpose and, um, you know, to just really, uh, once again, kind of connect through the heart, having kind of an open dialogue of what your intention is. Um, and then just sort of waiting. I mean, I've had some experiences where I've gotten a no, especially with trees. Whereas like, I i mean, like my whole life, I just like, you know, you just like run up to a tree and hug it or touch it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I've, you know, was horrified to like actually return to places kind of with a different intention and energy and realize that like a lot of the trees I had been interacting with really didn't want me to hug them at all. Um, oh my so, gosh, I've never
0: even thought about that. You're so right. There's probably yeah. tons of trees are just like don't
2: (laughs) what are you doing yeah Yeah, like just like lots of humans who are like just I don't want any touch like I don't want you to like you know get so close to me or whatever there's this Um,
1: tree just it's like a little story there's a tree in my backyard that's um young so it's not like super super strong it's like strong enough or like you know but anyways but my son is just like this climber and he's always trying to climb anything and everything and so he'll like step it's like a tree that has like like it kind of branches out in the middle so there's like a little place that you can kind of try to climb and I'm always you know saying like Desi don't climb in that tree that tree is like it's not strong enough for you like you know and the other day (laughs) he was the first time this spring that we were out there that he tried to climb it and instantly he goes ow oh! and his knee got caught in the tree and i just looked the other and i was just like i didn't laugh inside i was laughing i was like the tree fucking told you like leave me alone and you know like yeah. i helped him out and i was like the tree doesn't want you climbing him but it just felt like to me at this moment of this tree asserting its autonomy and it's like you're That's a 50 really pound funny. kid like back uh-huh. off <laughs> anyway yeah. sorry continue with what you were saying little payback yeah yeah, yeah. A little boundary setting um yeah but yeah I'd love so so anyway so you were saying that you've had these moments of like going back and recognizing the trees they're like actually I'd like some space yeah
2: exactly yeah or um you know that's why I've been working with this particular oak trees because I actually got like a clear yes mm-hmm. you know and so I think that um that you know when you actually start to ask and engage with this practice of asking that it's interesting what might arise Um, so you know in terms of working with medicine more than anything i think it's just back to that sense of of etiquette you know so it's it more than anything it's about um, not just thinking that you can come in and take, take, take. And it's just, it's so important that we we start with the respect part instead of that, like always being at the back end of everything. Mm-hmm. And I still, you know, will catch myself at times, like before I enter a space, you know, oftentimes when you enter a space in the forest or a certain path or a trail, You know, you can feel like you're on the threshold. You know, oftentimes I feel like I'm on the threshold of a community or families of beings. You know, they're living together and it feels important to just acknowledge that, that you are entering their country, you know, that you're entering their space. And um, some, you know, oftentimes I'll leave just like a little bit of offering or whatever, but so often I'm like, well, made it up the mountain, forgot, you know, or the offerings in my other coat or, you know, whatever it is. And so then we're just, we're just doing our best, you know, actually um, these, these be- you know, this other you know, more than human world, these living beings are, um, really forgiving, you know, when we come when we also bring forth that level of, of honesty around like, I goofed, you know, and then sort of this, sort of like, oh, it's just a do better next time type of thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I
0: thought you were gonna
1: ask
0: a question, Eva. No, I didn't have one in mind. Did
1: you, Kylie? Uh, well, yeah, I do. Um, I, I and mean, I'm just like loving all of this and it's really sparking. Honestly, it's really sparking my desire just to go out and sit like in front of every plant in my yard, <laughs> which is a tiny yard with a million plants because the woman who lived here before was this really incredible gardener. And so we have like all these incredible plants here. Um, and so I'm like really excited tomorrow morning to go and just like say hi to them all. But, um, I, I I was actually wondering if you could just speak to a little bit about this term rewilding and like what it means for people and how, how it means for you and how people can kind of understand it and apply it in their own, in their own life. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Like what does rewilding even mean? I, yeah, I've heard one person really talk, kind of talk about it, but, um, and yeah, but I'd love to
2: hear your take on it. Yeah. Well, I feel like I, um, I'm, I'm actually using that word a little bit less these days mm-hmm. because I feel like they're like, I think I went to the, to Powell's at one point a year or so ago and they actually had like a section that was like a, it was not a, I don't know if it was a rewilding section,
0: but I that's were, probably like, a very
2: Portland thing or a Pacific <laughs> yeah. Northwest thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and there were like five books that, all had this term and they all were using it in like very different ways. Mm. And, and I, and I was like, Hmm, you know, it's a little problematic in terms of how we're, how we're using this term potentially. Um, so, you know, I'm finding that I'm, I'm drawn to it, honestly, a little bit less. Um, but really, I, I mean, to me initially, it was sort of this sense of, the longing that we have for a little bit, the invitation of more freedom, more dream time, more creativity, you know the invitation for into our, our longings and um, a sense of, of stretching this sort of like instinctual self a little bit more, This the ways in which we keep ourselves really domesticated and restricted in our lives without even realizing it um, and I guess, it began for me in terms of this um, exploration into, you know, how to like catching that, like catching the ways that we restrict all these, these joys actually. Um, And it's really subtle. It can get, we can, we can get caught up in it and and just not even realize that we're doing it. Um, Do you have some examples of what you, of how that shows up in people's eyes or what you've seen? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for many, many, I mean, historically, my practice has been mostly women. And so, you know, noticing the ways in which, you know, in just the most kind of general terms here, really super generalizing, um, you know, themes around women kind of setting up a lot of barriers, um, whether it be in a creative practice or more doing things that they really love because they've set up their life in a way where everything is about taking care of other people Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, that they've really set up a lot of, um, restrictions and then they sort of wake up at some point and realize I'm not like so happy with the, (laughs) with the way that I've created the structure of this, but everybody that's part of it is already so um, like it's really hard to change, um, mm-hmm. once we've set up relationships in a certain way. Um, but I also also think that it shows up in terms of our, like the mirror of the, the living world and the way that, you know, like our overly, um, blue green lawns and the plants that we plant and the way that we set up even just our landscaping I mean everything is set up in this just really really um, plasticized um, like it it doesn't actually have a point in Mm. terms of feeding animals birds like insects Mm. like everything is aesthetic um, it's aesthetic without thinking about the system (laughs) yeah exactly you know and so I think that but there are lots of ways that we kind of do that within ourselves like that the way that the world is you know set up in this you know sh- kind of shallow um you know the ways in which we keep ourselves very domesticated um mm. the ways in which you know it, i mean it's really disturbing <laughs> the, the statistics statistics around how much time we spend inside every day um and just the worries around what's actually happening to our physical bodies in terms of nearsightedness, in terms of like brain fog, in terms of our our moods and our just sense of self. I mean, we're, we're literally physiologically changing mm. um, and it's happening so fast. You know, it's, it's thought that like for, for my kids, you know, that they're getting half the amount of time outside as that i got outside for example you know so it's like within a single generation the creep you know of, of technology um, although in, important in some connective ways and of course we need to still keep adapting you know it it but it it's happening so fast that i think a lot of people just are not aware mm-hmm. of actually what's transpiring so yeah, yeah totally there. I'm curious.
0: I don't know if you have this information on hand or even we can just like thought experiment and play around. Cause I love playing around yeah. with ideas, but like, what do you, I mean, I think that sounds so right. Like you're saying that I'm like, Oh my God, like we probably spend way. I know that I, I actively try and be outside. And yet I know I'm still not outside as much as I was when I was a kid. I just remember those days of just like, I was kind of like a latchkey kid. So my parents just like left us at home and like, we would just play out in the backyard. And those were like, that was like the best. <laughs> that was like great. I guess I'm curious, like, what do you think that uh, um, the effect of that is going to be in years to come when, you know, this current generation, you know, and, and generations to come are not spending time outside? That's just mm-hmm. got to be just so weird. I never really yeah. thought about that, but, but yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it, there's, there's some talk around um, just kids being fearful of nature, fearful of forests, fearful of anything that's wild in that way that's beyond you know like a tv or in a couch you know it's just like it's really foreign Mm. you know and so I think that um that's scary you know to yeah yeah you're gonna say something Kylie oh I was just gonna add that it's
1: one of the things that um I don't know about you guys but has actually been one of the blessings of this pandemic because where I live, I'm lucky enough to live near like a ton of really beautiful walking trails. And it was always on my list of like, you know, as a you small kids, you've got like this rotating list of like things that you do. And so, you know, going for these nature walks was like on there, but we did it like maybe once a month, you know, that we'd go for a walk. And at one point during the pandemic, my son actually cried and said, not another nature walk. <laughs> because like there's nothing else to do right and so like we probably go aside from just like backyard or whatever stuff we probably go on a nature walk you know a couple times a week and I'm so like deeply deeply grateful because now it feels like it's like part of the fabric of what we do and it was always aspirational and it was always this thing that was like oh like it's nice when we get to do it and I know it's important and now it's just like we have family dinner, we go on nature walks, like mm-hmm. we like Spider-Man, you know, it's just like part of the culture <laughs> of our family. And and I, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely feel like one of the blessings of this very difficult year is just a reconnection with um, how nice it is to be outside. Yeah. Um,
0: yes, I would say for me, well, I don't know if that's changed because I was always kind of out trying to like be outside kind of the Mm. same amount, but I can say that what you said about kids being afraid of nature that really hit home for me because I grew up in the suburbs of LA and I was one of those kids who bugs, gross, you know, like (laughs) dirt, dirty, like I was hanging out at the mall. I didn't understand any, I was watching Clueless, you know, like I didn't, and then I would go, so my parents are Taiwanese. And so I would go back to Taiwan and hang out with my cousins who were very nature people and they would pick up bugs with their hands and like and and they would know the names of plants and flowers and that was so foreign to me and back then i didn't care because i was just you know a kid and i was i was into cartoons or boys or whatever but now in hindsight i look at that i'm like i'm I was so, I was truly just so disconnected Mm -hmm. from nature and I don't, and I didn't like being scared of nature. I didn't want to be in nature because I was scared of it, but I also didn't like that. I was scared of it. Mm -hmm. I like on an intuitive level was like, I don't want that to be like my experience. So I don't know. I think, I, I think that's changed over time. I don't really even know how that's gradually changed, but you're just making me realize like, if I do have kids, it's going to be so important for me to be very intentional about getting their hands dirty and like (laughs) having them be used to bugs and you know all that stuff
2: were you yeah they're oh sorry go ahead
1: (laughs) i was just gonna ask Kendra if you've always had if this connection has always been there for you or if it's something that like Eva you found later
2: Hmm. yeah I mean I I find it particularly interesting to hear Eva you talk about like how there's just some sort of like intuitive draw, like just, and I find that in people, you know, where like, even if they've got like no special exposure in some way or whatever, there's some sort of like intuitive draw or some sort of like underlying heart connection in some way. I find that, you know, beautiful and and also really interesting Um, for me, I have to say that I feel blessed to have through particularly my, um, mother's line, um, like a really strong, um, family history of just wanting to be like with the earth and they're all like animal lovers and crazy smart, like botanist people. Um, but that I didn't, but it was in a very casual way. It was like my grandmother, you'd go walking with her and she'd be like, that's la-da-da-da-da. And I'd be like, <laughs> whoa, how does she know that? whoa, she knows the name of that. And you know, is um I I was really like amazed by her knowledge. And um, but I'm not sure if she ever really engaged with a like a deeply animist sort of perspective. Um, you know, and my grandparents at some point were. Hobby farmers and um, don't I just don't know you know to what degree um mm. that they really you know just thinking about the the generation and the time and um I don't know it was different but I, I do feel grateful that when I really like think about it I mean I definitely did not grow up I grew up in kind of a pretty standard suburban type of environment and there wasn't there definitely was not like an overemphasis in any way on nature, um, but it was there in the outskirts, mm-hmm. like a, an interest, and um, and even now, you know, when I watch my mother, my mother likes to to get her hands in the dirt, and um, when when I watch her, it's just incredibly natural for her. It's like everything grows for her. Mm. Like she just, and she's like a sloppy gardener. Like she's just <laughs> like one of these people that just like throws this here and does this here. And like um, it's, and like things still grow for her. Mm. Like it's just a very, um, <laughs> maybe cause she's had five kids and she, um, and that's just how she rolls in life. But everything is just very like on the, on the swing, like on the cut, like just this very fluid. Um, way of being in the world, but some somehow even in the <laughs> chaos, and you're like that. What that is definitely not going to live, and somehow you know most of the time they like things. Things make it, but um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's so interesting to pay attention to our influences, and but we're also our own beings. You know, I think very much in my life, like I, when I, yes, there are these things that influence us, um, but. You know how it shows up in our lives and um how we live in an in intentional way you know into indiv- it's just our own like soul's path in that way so yeah. and i um you know made such an effort to try and have my kids like be out in nature a lot my daughter's now 12 and um I couldn't get her inside like when she was little like i just you literally could not get that child inside um, and now I literally cannot get her outside. Like, it just
1: is,
2: you know, it's so hard. Like, it just is, it's amazing. Is she like on her if, phone or on, the, like watching TV on a computer? There's no means. phone and we don't have a TV. Um, oh, good for y'all. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think that that's really made a big difference. But um, but she... Um, Yeah, you know, she spends a lot of time like singing in her room or like do you know doing the things when you're twelve that don't involve going outside. God, mom, don't make me go outside again. Um, It's so it's like of great it's a great effort, um, and you just really hope that like something was planted inside and that it'll come back around. You know. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I yeah. think it, it definitely will. I mean,
0: yeah, I, I think it definitely will. If
1: you don't yeah, spend yeah. a little time rejecting your parents' good intentions when you're like a teenager, like you know, then you're doing
0: something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah. developmentally like all there <laughs> because, like, yeah, it's part of the
1: it's part of the process. Yeah, that's right. Eva, please remind me that I said this when Bernie is twelve. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. and play this clip to me when I'm crying and pulling uh-huh. my hair up. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. That's interesting though. I, I feel like there's, we, there was different parts of this conversation that I wanted to go back to this. So then <laughs> you say that, you know, it nature wasn't like a concrete thing that was like sort of um, put in your face or shoved down your throat when you're a kid, yet you had this, was, do you feel like there was a connection between your, your like lineage and your mom and moving to Portland? Or was that really just out of that field? And like, what was that experience like when you, you said you felt this pull and did you feel like you got to experience uh Did your soul get to soak in what it wanted to soak in in the Pacific Northwest?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, no, I didn't have any family out there at all. Mm -hmm. And that really was um, of my own initiation. Um, And I'm not sure if anyone in my family would like ever say that they'd move somewhere because of the land. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't. Um, And honestly, I'm not, I can't say that I consciously knew that that's what was happening. Like it wasn't, I was just had this tremendous pull and then I got there and I was like, oh, that's what's happening, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I just feel grateful mostly more than anything when I, when I follow, when I follow the pull, Mm -hmm. you know, this happened to me um, in the last year or so, you know, I basically burned down my life in Portland. Like I, it was even before COVID, I could feel that the life that I had there needed to change. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't quite in alignment with my values. And, you know, you, sometimes you just get this, like, you're like, oh, there's like this itch, like this, like thing, like where, you know, like either you make a change or like, it's going to happen for you, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that was really painful. And I went through this, like, huge grieving process in leaving. Um, And also I left, you know, my practice there. I had was co-founded this large clinic and um, said goodbye to all these beautiful people that I'd worked with for, you know, almost like 15, 17 years, Um, you know, basically kind of like family. Um, So there was a lot that, that happened, but But then in the process of moving across the country, I felt this tremendous um, gratitude for having the courage to do it. You know, Mm. Um, it's really hard to burn down your life Um, and to like to trust um, in following that, that pull. And so with the Pacific Northwest and um, kind of leading back to your original question, you know, I, um, yeah, no, I, I feel like I learned a lot. I feel like that place was really like, without even realizing what was going to transpire at all, it was really like the incubation time and like a, a lot of learning happened for me in terms of um the beginnings of, of trying to work with more of an earth-centric mm. viewpoint mm-hmm. um, instead of a human-centric viewpoint. So, um, yeah. yeah. I'm just selfishly asking
0: because I'm like, <laughs> this might be, this is just very timely since I'm moving to Portland um, probably pretty soon. So I'm selfishly asking because I think I am may also maybe follow in those yeah. follow in that follow in that same process. So, yeah. yeah. Can I ask you a yeah. question?
1: Um, I'm curious to know, what you've found in vermont that you didn't have before you know like you've mentioned that things felt like they weren't in alignment and or some pieces weren't in alignment Mm -hmm. what what about the life you've built in vermont is is what you were like seeking does that question make sense Mm
2: -hmm. yeah um well i feel like it's super complex uh so there are a lot of moving parts um to that that don't just have to do with me as one single person Mm. um and you know also have to do with my family and kids and husband and um but i you know i think we're just really looking to simplify our lives um so you know we're currently living in a co-housing community um in a, a much smaller home um you know, so I'm involved with um, like a lot of community activities here. Um, And that actually, I mean, that feels relevant, but that wasn't really like the original um, reason per se. I think that just really looking to take it sort of to follow our value system and take it like one step Mm. further from kind of what we were doing. Um, And just also, you know, it was a lot, there was a lot of upkeep and a lot of, you know, um, keeping kind of this clinic going with multiple practitioners and employees. And, um, you know, I've spent, I mean, I'm still in, you know, kind of doing the service work, but between raising children and then kind of working in a busy clinical practice, your everything is based on taking care of other people. And so, you know, I've really um, taken a little bit of time just in a little, doing a little bit of like a reflective gestation sort of period to not just hop right back into that, um, but to call back my energy from all of that work that I did so many years. um, And um, to, yeah, so really Vermont, you know, uh, I have, we have more family on the East Coast. So Mm -hmm. of course there's that. Um, And, um, you know, you can feel when a change is coming. It's really interesting. I, I guess I feel like I can, I'm looking at my life and there've been just these like phases, like these like Mm. time periods where there's like a certain lesson or a thing I was really doing strongly. And I feel like I've begun a new time period. Um, And yeah, it just trying to follow the rhythm of that. So
0: I think this is so beautiful. And so I hope this doesn't sound cliche. I just find it very inspirational actually, because I, I know that there are people listening to this podcast who are like, there's a deep longing to simplify their lives, and that's also me. I I also perceive for perceive that like down the road, I'm just gonna want to continue to simplify and simplify. But like you said, it's hard to to leave everything and to to change everything, especially when you've like committed yourself into like building something as well. Yeah. So it takes guts, <laughs> it takes guts and faith and just like that mm-hmm. self trust and listening to yourself. I think a lot of people are dying to simplify their lives because our life. Is so fucking complicated. There's just so yeah. much noise, and there's mm-hmm. so much stuff, and mm-hmm. I I just know that people can relate to what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not like, and you get there, and you're like, <laughs> um, you know. So we're four people living in like just a little bit over a thousand square feet, which is not that small compared to like a real tiny home. But like, but there are times when you're like, what? <laughs> like what do I yeah, do you dude, that yeah is, like you know it's just uh, sorry, I'm just like, think, like really thinking about it. that's so the opposite
0: of the American way because the America we want like bigger space more house more land and you've taken your whole family and you're living in a 1000 square foot place like some people
2: would say yeah that's ball the yeah, DAF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well but there's also like that that motivation when your kids are like growing up with too much stuff and too much space and too much this, and you're just like, holy shit, they're becoming like spoiled monsters. Like, you're just like, like I've got to do something, you know, mm-hmm. to counterbalance um, this like weird, shallow culture that we're living in. And, um, and you know, I think that like we're, we're, we're in this like deep crisis of meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, trying to live, a little bit, like touching, like regularly touching in, what is, what do I value? Like what actually makes me feel like my inner wells are are rich and sufficient, you know? Um, Like what actually does that? Like what's, what's important to me in that way? I was um, reading something recently and um, it was, they were talking about some research studies related to misalignment. So like many people know that meditation and spiritual practice and prayer like that, these things make them feel good but there's this like disconnect in terms of actually doing those things in our lives um, and in this study they were talking about particularly how you know we we're, we're kind of our thinking is that we have so much time like oh I'll do it later mm. or like oh you know like there'll be time to kind of like get more disciplined about it at some other point or something. Um, and this related to me in terms of, I was specifically thinking about um, like some of the Buddhist practices around death um, and the, what's called the five remembrances and um, sort of re- remembering, you know, practices and ways of remembering like that there's not so much time, like there's just not mm-hmm. as, as much time as we think um, to kind of get ourselves aligned in the ways that, you know, these things actually ultimately make us Feel better, um, but it's hard to get there sometimes,
0: yeah. Well, it's particularly hard because the world that we live in is set up so that everything else is feels like the path of least resistance, whereas, like, it's just easier to default to, I don't know, buying something on Amazon or whatever it is, being online or turning on TV, and yeah. so it's effort, it takes effort, <laughs> 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 but I think. I mean, we've talked about this a bunch on the podcast. Usually the gift of suffering is that our suffering will lead us to doing the things that we need to do because at some point our soul is just like, or even our body. I'm just, just going like- to say, or our body is
1: like, no, for real, go to yoga. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my yeah. body lately. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting too, because I think that's such a beautiful framing. I, I think about that a lot of, you know, why, why, and when it's hard to do the things that actually lift us up and make us feel better and get us where we want to go. And um, in a lot of ways, that's kind of a lot of the work, like my personal journey um, and and the work that I do with clients, but I've never actually put it within the context of the way time just seems to stretch out forever. And, and actually that's an illusion, right. And like what happens if we bring our resistance to kind of really nourishing care, up in close proximity with our own mortality. That's a (laughs) use.
0: Well, I think it's uh, to play a little bit of devil's advocate because I do think that that's true. There's this whole idea that life is short and so we have to make the most out of it. But if you also believe that you're gonna come back in another lifetime, (laughs) it's like, whatever's gonna serve you anyway. Cause I think sometimes we can get so tight about time that it actually paralyzes us Mm -hmm. and then we don't do anything. So I think it's subjective based on what you need. If you need to like relax, you can remember that like you have time but if you need to like hunker down then I think yeah. it's helpful to remember like oh no it's go time yeah I, do, I think this idea
1: mean. of like you know like having a regular med- like <laughs> this is like an ongoing saga of the podcast in which I update <laughs> everyone on my attempt to wake up before my kids and meditate still working <laughs> on it guys still working <laughs> on it this morning i woke up <laughs> at five forty-seven all by myself and I was like I'm awake, I could go downstairs to meditate. And I thought, I'll just sit here quietly for a minute before I do that. And then two seconds later, my son popped in bed and climbed in bed with me. Like it was the best, right? I'm like, okay, well, this is better than meditating. Um, But anyway, there is something also in it though that is this constant, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I can do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I will do it tomorrow. And that feels like it plays into exactly what you're talking about, Kendra. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. no, I think that... um that time is a totally weird, culturally created, like, you know, bizarro sort of thing. So, um, I mean, they're, they're definitely, like, it's true that it, it depends on how, like, depends on how you wanna swing it. Um, but it, to me, it feels like most people aren't using their time very well. Like, if we think about our lives as actually being kind of precious, even if there is another one to come, um, you know, that, um, like, and that's not, you know, yeah, it could that, that a lot. It's true that some people might feel like that just like ratchets the pressure. Um, but instead, I think that the pressure comes from thinking about time in a linear way. Mm-hmm. You know, like if we think about time in a more of this like spiraling, like this larger perspective, it, it kind of, um, well, first of all, it's a little bit, you know, more realistic. Um, and um, sorry, when I you don't say know.
0: spiraling, do you mean like cyclical?
2: Yeah, you know, so I think that like, in a, in a lot of cultures, generally, you know, and again, speaking very general terms, like, um, the, in a lot of traditions, you know, there's this sense of time moving in a circular spiraling type mm-hmm. of way. Um, so, you know, and then there's also just the exploration of deep time. Um, so deep time, like, is a great way of just sort of putting ourselves in place as human beings. Wait, you what, know, is, what is deep time? Yeah, so deep time, like when we think about deep time, deep time is like, is really like time happening in terms of like, you know, oceans becoming deserts and deserts mm. becoming oceans, you know, t- deep time is um, is like, you know, entering the earth beyond human impact, mm. you know, to the place where you're just more like tuning into resonances and the ocean swishing and like, um you know, deep time is really time way beyond us little peons, um, you know, which is really helpful because I think I, I nerded out on like some science video about deep time at some point. Um, and, and this guy was like stretching out a string to show like, and it just, it was like super long, the string, but he was like, this is what happened in the, this age. And this is what happened in this age. And he's like stretching out the string. And then he gets to like the very, it's like, I don't know how long the string was. He was like in a football field. And, and so he gets to the very end of it and it's, he's like, and this is when humans came and, you know, it just is like, it's, it's just like such inch. a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, like inch, yeah. 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 And so, you know, we, we think that we're like. In oh, such control this. of things, you yeah. know, like we think that we are like, again, this idea of sort of our, our. Um, sort of human nature split and this kind of dominators training that we have you know, that like, we we still think that we like are saving things that we are in control of things. And I think it's really important when when you enter a deep time perspective, like you enter into the magic of the earth being this like old deity, that's like, what the fuck humans like I am, you know, like, there's, there's so much more happening to this than you realize. Um, So I think that um, well, there's a lot, you know, there's a, a lot to be said about deep time, but it, I find it to be, um, I, I, use this term putting ourselves in place a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like deep time is just, just another technique, like another, um, practice, however you want to work with it. Um, just another way of putting yourselves in, in place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I love,
0: I love that. It's yeah. such helpful perspective.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <sighs> Um, Should we do a round of joy? Ooh,
0: yeah, let's do joy.
1: Yeah. Kendra,
0: <laughs> what's something that's bringing you joy in, I would say, in this moment or recently?
1: Or deep time.
2: Yeah, or <laughs> <a> deep <laughs> Um. Well, not surprisingly, I a, a huge joy bringer in my life are, are birds, actually. I really, really love birds in particular. Um, And so it snowed yesterday and the snow, unfortunately the weather, it was just like not warm enough for the snow to melt today. And I I have this really special, and like I'm really drawn to raptors, owls and large raptors, but it, you know, in being in a new place. And there's just so many songbirds, like there's just so many small birds and I, and it's lovely to like be put back in place in your life in a way that's like brings you to beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, all these songbirds, it's like, I know some of their names, like, okay, goldfinch and, you know, there's cardinals. and But like so many of them, I just have no idea, you know, what kind of bird they are, but just the joy of like watching them and they're like, hopping in the snow, like, like just fluffed, you know, they're so fluffed up, because it's (laughs) cold. Um, And some of them, you know, I have these two trees outside where my desk is, and um, just the joy of seeing them, not only in like their exuberance, because they were so exuberant, even though it was snowing, but also in their resilience, you mm-hmm. know. I think that um, just the hardiness, like of all creatures, this time of year, um, the resilience and hardiness that it takes because it's a risk. It's a risk to emerge in spring. It's mm-hmm. a risk to put yourself out there that way, and it just brings me so much joy to like to witness like all of that all together. Mm-hmm. So
0: that's so great. I love that.
2: Yeah, I <laughs> love that.
0: Yeah, birds are great. Kylie also loves birds. I do. I do actually. My joy is I
1: actually also about birds. <laughs> Ooh, do share, nice. do share, Yeah. So, um, Kendra, my daughter's name is Birdie. Uh, when my Aww. when my son was, it's it's Elizabeth. We call her Birdie. When my son was pregnant with her, he, he one day was like, "She's Birdie," and it stuck. But <laughs> also- Wait, really, that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. We would ask oh, him. He know. was like, you know, I don't know, eighteen months, twenty months, and we we're like, "What's your sister's name?" When I was pregnant, and he would do like truck you know and then one day he said <laughs> and then he said birdie and it just stuck and he would look at you if you'd asked him after that point if you looked at him and said like what what's your sister's name He would just look at you like we've discussed this already her name is <laughs> 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 um and it just it fits her so clearly so um and also kind of just to give you some context she is like this like little tiny witch like she regularly talks to my grandmother who's deceased she regularly talks Aww. to my husband's grandfather. Like. She does all sorts of hilarious um, things, and like you know, it clearly sees <laughs> sees sees characters that the rest of us don't. And so yesterday, the two of us were playing cars on the floor, and she looks up at me, and the birds are singing outside, and she looks up at me, and she says. <gasps> I'm, I'm listening to the, the birds are talking to me, mama. And like, you know, I got all excited. I was like, birdie, what are the birds saying to you? And she looked right at me and she goes, la, 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 (laughs) la, la.
0: That's pretty accurate though. That's accurate.
1: Of course, Uh like, of course, that is exactly what they're saying. And it was so, so, so great. So that was my, was my joy. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. How about you, Eva?
0: Well, I have a bevy of joys because I just came back from Portland. So God, I don't even know where to start. Uh, Travel. Mm. That was joyful. Um, Dogs. My friend has two dogs. Mm. I just like loved being around dogs. Oysters. I ate oysters. (laughs) I like it was a reemergence into life. And it was like some of it was a little bit overwhelming, to be honest, but, but mostly it was like I don't know, it was great and balancing. So I'll just share those for today. Cause I think that's, that's already a lot. Yeah.
1: I love that, we love that yeah. so much. A bevy of joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Kendra, where can people find you if
2: they want more of your beautiful, gentle wisdom? Hmm. Um, Kendraward.com is pretty uh, like the hub of everything. I have just reopened uh, in-person practice, um, doing acupuncture, what I call deep ecology acupuncture. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am releasing my book called Throwing Thunder, Awakening the Forces of Nature in Every Woman. It's coming out in the fall. Um, let's see what else I've got two courses, one related to Throwing Thunder, um, that will come out in the fall as well with the book. And then I've got, um, another course that I'm almost ready to launch that's called Earth Heart, Earth Psyche, Reconnection Skills for Everyone. So mm. um, it's really, I feel like that course in particular, it's kind of, it's a 10 module course and it really is, it encompasses a lot of what we talked about today. And it really is sort of like, it gets to the heart of everything that feels really important and tender to me at this time. Um, so yeah.
0: That's really interesting. So is that a course for say people who are interested in feeling more connected to nature, but maybe they don't know how to go about that. Is that, Uh is that what this course teaches them? I love that. I love that there's a course about on
2: this. Yeah, Yeah, well, I really, um, you know, so I really want it to be accessible, you know, so that I, I think that that's, um, something that feels really important to me. I mean, I love the woo-woo, but it's really important to provide the bridge, you know, so that it, so that there's just like, um, yeah, just, you know, that they can start with simple everyday things, because Mm -hmm. that's really what it's all about anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. What are we doing in our everyday lives? Um, So it really, the course is is, is truly for anyone, you know, just as a, a it, bringing it into the body, it has. There's a lot of somatic practice, and uh, it encompasses some of the five element traditional Chinese medicine piece. You know, mm-hmm. these these primordial forces and elements that are outside, but then also inside of us. Mm-hmm. You know, these these things that act as gateways for us to yeah. to enter. Um, and to not have it feel so foreign or so weird or so hard. Yeah. So, well, I can tell you that fun. I'm,
0: I'm interested. Yeah, and I'm no, in same. Same. <laughs> nice. yeah. Cause I also think that'll be a perfect in like, not that I can't do this here also in the desert. Cause again, I love the desert, but I think it'll be kind of like maybe a fun way to integrate myself in when I in, in, in the process of a move as well. So
2: yeah, you said that's coming yeah. out. Is that opening in the fall? You said, um, I'm hoping to have that course. Um, launching within the month. Okay. Um it's getting pretty close to being done. Yeah. And um you know so much of it is about like belonging and embedding in the land where we are so that really makes a lot of sense to what you're saying, you know in terms of like creating a real an ongoing relationship. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but where so. we are. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. exciting.
2: Oh, beautiful. Yeah. All right.
1: Kendra, thank you so 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 much. This was yeah.
2: beautiful. Thank you. It was, was super fun. Yeah, this was so great. Yeah. We loved it. Yeah. Yeah, me too.